Welcome once again to another fantastic episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. We help business creators like you win at the game of business and marketing so you can thrive from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community, market, and audience. Please take a moment and visit our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. You will find hundreds of episodes covering a breadth and depth of topics relevant to you as a business creator and links to subscribe via your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. And now let's dive into today's episode. If your marketing isn't working, there may be a reason. There may also be a solution. This is something that is probably at the heart of what most business creators deal with at one time or another. I know that I go through seasons where it seems like I'm getting nothing but home runs, and I also go through seasons where it seems like everything I do strikes out and a little bit in between. The reason why marketing is a science is because there is no one way, and what worked in a previous campaign may not work this time, or your data may change, or your audience may change. There are a plethora of things that could happen that lead to a situation where your marketing isn't working, and today we're gonna fix it. And we have a very handsome man here today. His name is Wayne Mullins, and he's the founder of Ugly Mug Marketing. He's a highly sought after marketing consultant regularly having to turn clients away. I like it. He directly influences more than 100,000 entrepreneurs annually via his blog, books, and training programs. While making his clients more profitable is an easy motivator, Wayne is also driven by creating value for his clients beyond just the dollars and cents. He's passionate about building a team that isn't focused on checking off items on to-do lists and completing projects, but instead on getting results for their clients. And yes, I... Uh, I have, I've never been a fan of to-do lists. I've been a fan of project plans with dependencies and realism. So I'm excited to hear about this to-do listing and how we're not going to be focusing on checking them off. At any rate, Wayne Mullins, come on in. The weather's fine. Thank you so much, Adam. I greatly appreciate the opportunity. And there's nothing more that I love than visiting with other passionate entrepreneurs about business and growth. So thank you so much for having me. Well, we're going to have a ball. Now, right now, we have some listeners who may be leaning in. They have a separate browser tab open, and they're binging the Yahoo out of the Googles looking to discover who this Wayne Mullins is and this website, UglyMugMarketing.com. Very, very interesting name. I love it. I love it. I love it. Before we dive into fixing this non-working marketing, Wayne, if you could tell me a little bit about your journey and what's brought you to where you are today, serving business creators from your intersection of your brilliance and your passion and make a difference for your community market and audience. Absolutely. So my story began probably my sophomore year in college. So I was in college studying business with a specialization in marketing. And that Christmas, for some reason, my parents gave me a set of cassette tapes or CDs at the time, actually not cassette tapes, not quite that old, CDs from this gentleman by the name of Zig Ziglar. And I don't remember the exact title of those CDs, but they were on selling and the importance of selling. And 
I was immediately hooked, first of all, by this fascinating, brilliant communicator named Zig Ziglar, but also with his desire and his passion for the selling profession. And so at that point forward, I knew that I wanted to go in sales. So fast forward to graduation, I graduated and got a job right out of college selling manufactured houses. It's not the job that I wanted, but it's the only job in sales that I could get at the time. I really wanted right. to be in advertising sales. So finally, after about a year, I was able to get a job selling for an outdoor advertising company. And that's really where I, I dove headfirst into kind of industry experience, learned all the industry lingo and got to visit on a daily basis with literally, you know, half a dozen or more business owners, entrepreneurs every single day. And during that time, what I realized was two things. One, that most of them, most business owners that I talked to relegated or delegated the marketing and the strategy of their marketing to the ad reps that walked in the door. So as an ad rep, I would come in, I would say, look, I've got this great billboard. It's perfect for you. They would say, okay, I'm interested. Can you go figure out what to put on it and bring it back to me? And so what I found was they were doing this with all of the ad reps that came in. So it's, it struck in my head. It was like, you know what? There's an opportunity here. Well, fast forward a little bit and uh, I got really good at selling. After a couple of years in that industry, I got really good at selling. And maybe it was just kind of the entrepreneurial bug in me. But I said, you know what? I'm making all of this money for, for this company selling billboards for them. What if I went and sold something on my own? And that led me into the lawn and landscape industry. And so from in that industry, I, I built and grew a lawn and landscape company over a three-year period. And then I sold that. And due to kind of the rapid growth of that company, uh, I had a lot of business owners and even clients of our, our lawn and landscape company coming to me saying, what are you doing? How are you growing so rapidly? And that's really what were the early, early stages or kind of the early seeds of what would ultimately become ugly mug marketing. I got I to gotta say something here. Um, I hear a little Louisiana in your accent. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> right smack in the center of the state. Uh huh. Uh huh. I got a got a lot of great friends from uh, that neck of the woods. So just wanted to mention that kind of jumped out of me. And you know, when I graduated college, I graduated from Penn State with a uh, with a bachelor's of art in political or, or BA rather in political science with minors in history and Middle East studies. My original intention had been to then go on to law school and become an attorney, but something happened right before I graduated, and I realized that that was not going to be a path for me. So I came out of college with absolutely no clue what I wanted to do, and after about three or four months, I got interested in the temporary staffing industry and ended up being employed in that industry for eight months and 16 days. Uh, I discovered once I got into it, it really actually is about sales. I could have done very well with it perhaps, except that I picked the wrong company to work for. In fact, it was so awful, I celebrated the day I was asked to leave as my, as my second birthday to this day, April 27th. It's the topic of my chapter in Journeys to Success, the Millennial Edition, to which I was a contributor. So the reason I bring that up is because I think what happens, I mean, you went to you went to college you graduated with a degree in marketing or excuse me a degree in business and uh, there was a concentration or an emphasis on marketing and sales or whatever it is you said and i 
went into what basically was a sales job with absolutely no background in sales whatsoever. None, nothing. Didn't know nothing about it. So what I think we discover is that no matter what we do, there's going to be some selling involved in the work that we do one way or another. Maybe it's as simple as looking to get something that you need to do your job. Maybe you are somebody who's a corporate warrior and you recognize in this day and age that your career is basically a 40-year marketing campaign or a 50-year marketing campaign where you're essentially marketing for your next job or your next promotion or whatever it is using, in some cases, marketing techniques. I mean, we're at a point right now where if you're looking to move towards C-suite or even director level in corporate life that having a book published on Amazon with bestseller status is probably a few years away from being that thing that you sort of are expected to do if you even want to be considered. That's what we're evolving here, at least as I see it, and that's my prediction. Now, all that being said, I think that folks go into the world, whether it's uh, working for somebody or becoming an entrepreneur or a business creator, and they discover by having it handed to them, in essence, that marketing is very important. And because they may not have the foundation, either through education experience or both, it's not going to work. So in your experience working with your many, many awesome clients, let's start broad and then bring it the topics in as we get more specific. Why, in your experience, have you seen marketing not work? And what can be done to fix it? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And, and I absolutely agree with you, as you mentioned, um, kind of if you're in a corporate job, that part of your job is marketing yourself for that next promotion. And that, that's uh, a very unique angle and a unique way of looking at that so often people in those positions don't take the time to step back from kind of that 30,000 foot view and observe it that way. So that's definitely, I completely agree with that. Um, what I would say, how would I answer the question is, what is it that, that, causes people to do marketing ineffectively or why doesn't marketing work sometimes? I really believe that it boils down to this simple thing that most people don't clearly understand what marketing is. And so there's not one unified definition of marketing that exists in the marketplace. And let me be a little bit more clear on that. When most people hear the word marketing, they think advertising. And the reality is that advertising is just one small component or one small piece of marketing. So I think step one is for people to get clear about exactly what marketing is. Now, we kind of boiled this down to just a really simple definition. It's a very broad definition. But what we like to say is marketing is your ability to both attract and to keep a customer. And so for us, that's kind of the foundation. That's where we literally begin with every single one of our clients is an agreement on what marketing actually is and what it means for them. Right. And I think those are some really great points. Now let's uh, take that uh, a little bit further and let's look at one of the tools that goes into marketing, which is a company's website. And in your experience, and, I, and I've got to say, UglyMugMarketing.com is a very interesting website. I've been sort of perusing it as we've been having our conversation. You did a really interesting job with your layout here. I really, really like it. And I encourage our listeners to go check it out as well. But when it comes to websites, 
what have you seen with websites, like some of the mistakes people make and what it is about some of the websites that are out there that may cause them to not actually be doing anything to grow the owner's business? Yeah, no, that, that's a great question. So uh, what we find is with web is that um, people often prescribe to this strategy or the, this formula that is called watch my neighbor itis. So what happens is, you know, let's say you have a business and uh, your competitor down the road launches a new website. And so what you do is you pull up your website and you're like, geez, this thing, you know, it's been a bit dated here. It's been a few years since we built it. And look at theirs. Theirs looks so great. And look at that. They've got this really cool, you know, video or they've got this really cool slideshow or, you know, they've got this pop-up or chat feature. And so what we then do is we run back to our web developer and we say, look, look at the site, how great it is. Can you make ours look better than theirs? And so we end up in this kind of, um, you know, this competition inadvertently with, with our competitors, with other people in our markets when we look at their site. And so first of all, it's important again to realize that a website is merely a tool. It's a tool in your marketing toolkit. It is not the end all be all, you know, savior, you build a new website and, and they will come type of thing. And so one mistake that, that I would say, in a, you know, on top of watching a competitor and trying to outdo the competitor's website, out design the competitor's website is too often we get hung up on these vanity metrics. For example, web traffic in a lot of ways is a vanity metric. You know, I can have a client who has uh, 100,000 people going to their website every single month and they sell nothing at all through the website. It leads to no business. We could have another client who gets 10 visitors per month, but they convert 30% of those. So the question becomes, which of those websites is actually better? Is it the one that's got the 100,000 you know, people coming to it, but actually doesn't re result in any revenue? Or is it the one with 10 visitors who's actually generating revenue from their website. So you have to go into building a website with some very specific questions. For example, who's here? Who is actually coming to my website? We have to begin with that question. And we actually ask that question for every single page of a website when we're building a website, because what we know to be true is that the person who ends up on your contact form is a slightly different person than just browses your homepage and then leaves. So right. what we want to know about each and each every page on the website is who's here. And then the next question we want to ask is what specifically do we want that person to do on this page? So who's here and what do we want them to do? And then the final little piece in that formula, who's here, what do we want them to do? The final piece is what story can we tell them? And when I say story, I mean through the, the layout of the page, through the images, the video, through the content on the page, what story can we tell them to convince them to take that action that we would like them to take? So that's our kind of three-step formula that we, we approach each page from. Yeah, so what I picked up on immediately is where you made the observation that when a company sees a competitor emerge with a new website, they what I, what I saw between the lines, and you can correct me if this is the, not the correct perception, is they'll immediately look and see what this competitor is doing, and they'll say, oh, well, look, they, they're all up to date and up to speed with everything, and we need to make sure that we're caught up to them. 
So how do we know, yes. again, that that competitor is actually doing anything right at all? I mean, I've been, I've been uh, you know, an entrepreneur for almost 20 years, and I've seen a lot of advice doled out, some of which I would not even, some of which is so bad, I wouldn't even give it to my worst enemy. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So the thing is, with a website, when we go look at a website, we don't necessarily know if any strategy at all was put behind what is there. Right. right? We don't know their thought process behind that. So the, the question would be how we would analyze or look at a competitor's website would be this. If I were a legitimate prospective client or customer for this business, does this website actually in meaningful ways bring me closer to pulling out my wallet and handing money to this person? And then the question becomes, if, if indeed it does move me in that direction, what are the ways or what are the metrics or what are the things put in place that lead me those steps closer to pulling out my wallet? And now, once I identify those patterns, what I can then go back and do is I can look at the future redesign of my website and I can say, okay, I see the path or the steps that they took to kind of take me from a casual observer into actually you know, being ready to pull out my wallet or go visit their store. And what I can then do is analyze that and say, okay, in what ways, based on our strengths, can we improve in those steps or can we alter those steps so that it matches who we are and aligns with our strengths as a company, as an organization? Here are a couple other things that I see happening, uh, one of which I'm actually surprised happens to this day, and the other of which actually doesn't surprise me so much. The first, which really surprises me, is, and I, and I still see this, is you have these companies that will not launch or will not do anything until their complete, fully built out website is complete because they have this idea that, oh, well, if I go to market with a three-page website or I go to market with a landing page, uh, everybody's just going to laugh and say that, uh, that I'm not really in business. Well, really? Uh, with no website at all, what do you think they're saying? That's yeah. the first item. Yeah. So, 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 so then, now let's develop this to how we'll, we'll just single out WordPress, although there are other platforms that allow similar things. Uh, with WordPress, you can go to sites like, uh, I'll, I'll pick on ThemeForest, although there are so many others, and you can buy a pre-designed theme, basically. And within this control panel, you can change the colors, you can change the fonts, you can change the percentage of the page is taken up by the column, you can control the sidebars, you can do a lot with a theme just using its own configuration settings to bring that theme in to manage your brand. Now, what I do see companies and entrepreneurs get confused on when it comes to themes is, a lot of times these themes you buy are going to be really, really elegant and have all kinds of widgets and features and examples of things you can do with it. And what you have to remember about themes is basically good theme designers take the kitchen sink approach. They put everything in the kitchen sink into that theme, and it's up to you to decide what you use, what you adapt, and what you delete. So the mistake I see is people saying, well, this theme comes with a, with a set of widgets that say A, B, and C, so I have to make up my own A, B, and C, even though it's bullshit. Well, you know, you can delete that section. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, no, I mean, yeah. I mean, all, all of my businesses use store, use store-bought WordPress themes and they bear little resemblance to the original. You have a lot of power within these things. Yeah, absolutely. And I completely agree. You end up with, with what I would say would be a lot of websites in the world who don't accurately reflect the brand that it, that the company, you know, it, that is representing. And so when you don't go in and adjust those themes, um, you end up with an average website that doesn't have the personality of your company. Um, it doesn't reflect maybe your level of service or, or whatever it may be. And so I completely agree that, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with buying a theme, you know, going out there and getting a theme and, and adjusting a theme. But what I would say is make sure that the theme that you get and that the adjustments you make to that theme are in alignment with your brand, your brand identity. But even more importantly than that, the, the step above that is the design in and of itself doesn't matter. You can have a, a website that looks like one entire long page of nothing but white tag, you know, text with um, a white background on it and a long form sales letter, and you could be generating thousands of dollars a month from that. So the most important point is make sure that whatever it is that you're selecting is strategic and it serves your marketing goals. It's not just something that looks pretty or, or looks good. You know, speaking of pretty, and I think this goes to your point, I'd like to bring up one more thing before we move on to the next piece of our conversation. Years and years and years and years and years ago, when I had a web development firm, we had a client, a uh, couple of great guys, by the way, and they're still in business and they're still doing some great things. Uh, they had a series of information products where the target market were high school athletic coaches to help the athletes perform better in various ways. I think they also did college and I think they did uh, professional as well, but I know there was a, a, a sub niche at least towards high school. And they commissioned a website and it had all the beauty and elegance and the bells and whistles and everything. Then they noticed they had a change in their sales. So then they made another change. Mm. They had the website redesigned again, but this time they brought some of the simple and ugly back. That mm -hmm. performed yeah. better. The reason why is very simple. Uh, if you look even in 2019, look at any high school's website. It's usually a piece of crap. Uh, look at anything having to do with high school or collegiate athletics. It looks like it was designed with crayons uh, uh, during the Clinton administration, I mean, even if it's mobile responsive. So the point being is they moved their design back towards what their target audience was used to seeing, believing, and trusting, and it got their sales back up. So ugly in that case worked like a charm it was beautiful uh you want to talk about that's, colors, that's, watches and branding and things like that it got them a lot more of the color they really needed which was green in their bank account and that's that's the metric that matters at the end of the day um you know at the end of the day again a website is just a tool in your arsenal and that tool is measured its effectiveness is measured based on how it's contributing to your overarching strategy and plan and the revenue that it's producing for you. Yeah. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter how many awards you win for the website for best design or most clever feature or functionality. None of that matters. At the end of the day, just like you said, does it put money in the bank account? Right, right. And, uh, you know, and you, um, you know, made the point, I, you know, you, you recognize that there's a power in buying WordPress themes and customizing them. And there's also a power in having your own bespoke design. 
my belief has always been, and this even goes back before WordPress was a content management system, back when everything used to be static HTML. My belief was is get a functional website up that will attract your prospects for the correct reasons and make you money and get your customers to pay for your $20,000 dream. Yep. No, that I, I agree with that. Yeah. And Completely. then, and, yeah. And then, and then one final note here. And, and again, I see this looking at your website. When I go to uglybugmarketing.com, and you're welcome. I keep saying your URL because I want people to go visit it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, I, I go there. And again, this is just, you know, today when we're, you know, broadcasting this interview on Business Creators Radio, but this may change down the future. But I wanted to point out something that I love about your aesthetic is when people go to your website and they go to the homepage, they see a video that takes up the entire home screen we're looking, when they're looking on a desktop or a laptop. And I see some video clips of you speaking. I see some video clips of what I believe is one of your, one of your team members speaking. I see people drawing sketches on, uh, on charts. And I see somebody putting a quarter in a bubble gum machine. Yeah. Yeah, and and and, yep. and 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 I and I understand the psychological factors behind why you did that. And what I just wanted to point out is when we see websites like this, and you hear people saying, "Well, well, why isn't the opt-in box in the in the first browser scroll? And why do you have this video? Why where's my logo? Where's my menu? And all this other stuff." What we have to remember is, in many cases in website design today, where instead of the website being designed so that it's mobile compatible, you're actually designing a mobile app that is compatible to desktop. So that's kind of, in yeah. some ways, a new level of thinking, depending on where your viewers are. So this is where the intelligence yeah. of knowing what kind of device are they using? What are they doing when they, when they are checking their, when they're looking at websites? Are they mostly looking at your website when you're giving a speaking presentation? You say, go to my website and check this out. Or are they doing it in response to a social media ad, which we'll discuss in a second? It's the same with email marketing. Uh, I am a big believer that when it comes to sending marketing emails, that every sentence should be its own paragraph and you should make liberal use of bullet points. That's because with client after client and test after test, we find that the plurality, if not the majority of people who are reading their emails, again, what device they're using, what they're doing while they're doing it, they're doing it while checking through their mobile device, their smartphone, while they're between stuff. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, you're absolutely so, right. Yeah, and so, and so if somebody is sitting at the restaurant waiting for their date to show up and they happen to be checking their email, which is a very common place where people are checking it, and they see an email from Wayne Mullins, Remember, they're looking at that at a very small screen, and you got to keep them engaged one line at a time so you get them to the call to action. That's my no, personal you're, you're belief. No, you're absolutely correct. And what's interesting, I, I believe, I may be off on the year on this, but I believe it was 2015 when um, the general search traffic in the United States for the first year ever was higher on a mobile device than on a desktop or a laptop. And so that was a huge pivot point and that's just in terms of search so that's not usage of mobile devices that's actually google search i think it was 2015 yeah. that there were more searches conducted on that and that was really when just like you said when we began thinking you know what 
we really need to begin our process when we get to the actual design of a website, not thinking about a desktop, not thinking about a laptop, but thinking about a phone because that's where most web traffic is going to come from in the future. Right. And so we, we lean heavily that direction now when we're considering design. Right. And one final thought on that is you have to think about with the ubiquitousness of smartphones and small tablets, people are conditioned to consuming websites from a mobile perspective. They're still going to have that mind frame, which has come to dominate how they perceive the internet when they are like me right now, sitting in their office, looking at their giant screen. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm still thinking of how would I scan these files on my mobile? And so I, I want to see, I want to see something that's easy to consume. I want to be a little bit entertained. I want it to be pleasing to the eye and I don't want to squint. Yeah. The moment somebody nope, you're losing them because that hurts their brain. Absolutely. All right. So let's get to something that some of our listeners, when they heard you were going to be on our show, got really curious about and wrote to me about, uh, and that's the area of social media marketing. People do their social media and they're looking for the likes and the shares and the comments. And uh, again, personally, I think those are vanity metrics that sometimes give us information. Like I've discovered that when I'm on Facebook and I post pictures of my cats or I rant about something, the likes and the comments flow in. Good for the no like and trust on a personal level where people come to relate to me and see me as a real human being they can vision themselves doing business with. When I'm on LinkedIn, uh, if I try and post pictures of my cats or rants, people are going to look at me like I'm sideways. They want to see business stuff. So that's where I post business stuff. So part of it is context. And likes, shares, and comments can give us clues, but there's so much more to it. So why don't you take us down that road? Yeah, absolutely. So when it, when it comes to social media, just exactly like you said, um, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube, all of the platforms, all of the platforms are really, really good at making us feel good about getting those likes, shares, and comments. So when we put something on Facebook for our, our company, our business, and, you know, we get 27 likes or, you know, 27 comments or whatever it is, we think, wow, this really resonated. This connected with people. This is great for my business. This is great marketing. But the truth is, that is, that is not what matters. What really matters is how is that particular piece of content playing into my strategy? And I keep going back to this, you know, kind of elusive term strategy, but at the end of the day, how is that piece of content driving people through exactly what you just said? How are they getting to know about me? How are they getting to like me more? And how am I building trust? Because without those three ingredients, there is no way someone's going to pull out their wallet and hand me money. And so when you think of those three terms, know, like, and trust, every single piece of content, every single ad that you run, regardless of the platform, should be bringing people down through that process of knowing, liking, and trusting. And then one element where we take this a little bit different, and I'll come back to social media, but once they become a customer, because you go back to our definition of marketing, it's not just the attracting of a customer, but it's the keeping of that customer as well. What we believe is once you have a customer, it is your duty, it is your obligation as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, to turn that customer into an evangelist 
for your product, your service, your company, your brand. And I use right. the, the term evangelist, which comes kind of from the religious world, and there's no yep. religious connotation there. Um, Seth Godin would call that person a sneezer, someone who will sneeze your idea virus from way back one of his early books. Um, but that is, that is the intent. So when you approach social media, the first thing that, that's important is to understand what am I trying to accomplish with this post? Is it to reach people who don't know me so that they can start to know about me? Or is it for the people who already know about me to get them to like me, my brand, my products a little bit more? Or are we at the point of building trust? When you have that in mind, you can then shape your content, sculpt your content, and be intentional with it so that it's working in one of those three areas. The other, the other huge thing that I think um, all too often entrepreneurs, business owners today um, confuse or kind of miss out on is they believe that making the post, doing the post um, is all the effort required. So in other words, yeah, I've got my calendar laid out. I'm going gung-ho for the next, you know, from now to the end of the year, I'm going gung-ho. I'm going to really push hard to, to get this done and, and we're going to post all the time. And so they go do that, but then that's it. They leave it to its own devices and, and then they wonder why nothing happened with it. And for anyone who's been in any of the social media platforms, you know, for the last several years, by and large, all of them now have become pay to play. In other words, if you want reach, for example, on Facebook or Instagram, you're going to have to pay to reach people on Facebook or Instagram. Right. And True. that is a whole nother element, whole nother area where, um, we take the lazy way out often as business owners, entrepreneurs, we think, you know, well, I've done the work, we've made all the posts and it just doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work for my business. No, you've only done a small fraction of the work by creating the content that moves people closer to that buying decision. The next step is you've got to make sure that your content is actually reaching the right audiences based on the messaging. Yeah. And I, you know, I personally, for reasons I've covered on other episodes, so I'm not going to rehash it here. I'm not going to advertise on Facebook's platform. I'm just not going to do it. Uh, they they treated me like garbage when I tried. So I'm not going to give my money to somebody who doesn't appreciate me. And I'll say that over and over again. So here, so if you have that mindset or you don't want to deal with the suspension of belief in reality that comes with dealing with the system that will take your ad for how to build a website and deny it, claiming that you're promoting tobacco products and firearms and then refuse to listen to you, or that will ban your content saying it's MLM when it isn't, while you come up with 10 other sponsored ads for MLMs and then they give you, and then they threaten you when you show that to them. Uh, not that I have any personal experience here or anything with any of these things. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, okay, you, okay, you got to think, you got to take your thinking beyond that. So now let's yeah. ask the question of, are my, are my best prospects really on Facebook? Because, you know, there are a lot of other advertising networks out there that may be more to your liking and may be closer to your niche. And maybe that's where you should put your money. So social media advertising isn't, a failure because you had one Facebook ad that didn't blow up your business. Maybe it was in the right platform. Maybe that's not where your people are. Maybe the messaging was off. Could be a hundred different things. And then going back to your point with pages, uh, if we look, we just want to zero on Facebook pages. 
yeah, you're not going to get squat on them as far as engagements without uh, paying for it. However, what pages can be good for is organic search because they do get spidered by search engines. So it may be valuable to put searchable, optimized content on those pages. It also may be good if you have a few different pages and you cross post between them and have one page share another page's content because that can create the phenomenon in the timeline where it says Wayne Mullins and three others shared this and the three that shared it happened to be three of your pages. I've done that and gotten leads from it. Yeah, and what I would say is, is exactly to your point. Your point is this, that you can't just put stuff up and then sit back and complain that it's not working. You have to be intentional about, like you said, the selection. So no, Facebook's not for every business. It depends on where that particular business's customers are. You know, are they on Facebook? Are they on LinkedIn? Are they YouTube? You know, there's a bazillion different places you can choose from today. It is, it's our job as entrepreneurs, as marketers, as business owners to do the due diligence, diligence in that and not relegate that to, you know, the ad rep who calls us this week from, you know, whatever company it may be that's, that's got their salespeople calling this week, you know. It's our job to ensure that we are actively watching over and guarding our marketing processes and strategies so that at the end of the day, goes all the way back to what you said earlier, got to put money in, in the bank account. You know, that's, that's what it, at the end of the day, what it goes back to. Yeah, very, very, very much so. And if you do choose to invest in Facebook advertising, you've got to be prepared that your very first ad is probably not going to blow up your business. You're going to go through a learning curve, even if you think you know your market. Because I know people, uh, clients of mine, friends of mine, who have been very successful with Facebook advertising. I do not take that away from them. In fact, I applaud them for making it work for them. But every single one of them has a story about ads being denied for bullshit, irrelevant reasons, um, being yelled at by their so-called ad reviewers and all other kinds of things. And they took the road of figuring out how to hack it and make it work for themselves. So if you're going to do that with any sort of marketing, you've got to be prepared that regardless of how well it worked for somebody else, you've got to adapt it to your own business. Yeah, absolutely. There's no magic bullet. There's no one thing that's going to come along and this <laughs> is it. You know, we, we cracked the Facebook formula and now, you know, we got more business than we know what to do with. Um, that is, that is kind of the stuff of myth and legends, uh, reality we run, you know, in any given year, we'll run probably three to 5,000 different Facebook campaigns. Yeah. And what I can tell you is that the odds of one of those campaigns being a home run is very, very slim. Very yeah. slim. It, it just doesn't happen. It's gotta be part of something else, part of something that is more strategic and, and big picture focused as well. Yeah, and, that, and, that first, and that's, first of all, any ad network, and I would say really any marketing strategy. Like, uh, I've also seen a couple of other phenomenon, uh, one of which is, and I alluded to these earlier, is, okay, well, I tried this email marketing thing. I got people to opt in, and I sent an email, and they didn't all come by my product. Well, yes, not every, <laughs> not, not, not every, not every email is going to recapitalize your business. In fact, and I have explained this again and again, some emails that people send if they're doing email marketing aren't intended to sell anything. Therefore, mm -hmm. awareness, therefore, 
relationship, they're for nurturing, they're for shot across the bow, pre-launch, what have you. I have learned if designing an email campaign for somebody to never say, this email probably won't sell anything because they won't get any further than that and understand the strategy, you know, to say, well, then we're not sending it because I'm not sending anything that's not going to result in sales. Yeah, but it's part, right. but it's part of right. the process of getting you to the sale. Yeah. I've also heard um, from folks reluctant to do things like product launches, and they'll say, well, I've been in this industry for 20 years. People know me. I shouldn't have to do this. I should just be able to say that it's for sale and how much it costs, and they'll buy it because they know me. Yeah, they know a lot of other people too. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. One of the things that we use for our clients to help kind of visualize exactly what you're talking about. So, you know, when, when it's regarding like sending an email that doesn't have like 27, you know, call to action buttons, and, you know, buy now, right. buy now. Um, one of the visuals that we, we kind of paint for our clients is this. So if you visualize a, a clock, a circular clock hanging on the wall and the 12 o'clock spot is what we would have at the top called strangers. Yeah. Right. And then the three o'clock spot is what we would have where we would have what would be called friends. Uh -huh. Right. So we got 12 o'clock strangers, three o'clock friends, six o'clock. We have customers and then nine o'clock we have evangelists. So this is how we paint that same picture. So our job is to move people out there in the world from strangers to friends, from friends to customers, and then from customers to evangelists. Now, the elements that are required to make those transitions are completely different between those steps. Now, there is some overlap, but they're different. For example, to take a stranger who's out there in the marketplace and convert them into a friend. In other words, someone who, who is aware of our business and they like our business, the elements required are they have to, one, know about us, and then two, they have to like us. So it doesn't matter what else we do. If they don't like our brand or what we stand for, they're never going to be our friend. Now, so once we move them from stranger to friend, the next big element, the big jump to go from a friend into an actual customer is they have to trust us, right. our message, our product, our service, that it's going to do what we say it's going to do. So once we move them from stranger to friend and then from friend to customer, the next step is once we have made the transaction, the transaction's taken place, this is where, you know, most business owners at this point, they're, they're checked out, they're done, and they're spending money back up there advertising to strangers, trying to get more strangers to become friends and friends to become customers. What we argue is, no, you need to be intentional about turning those customers into evangelists. And the first thing that has to happen in order for anyone to go out and evangelize or share about your product or service is it has to go above just the bare minimum of meeting your expectations. In other words, right. if I buy something and it just meets my expectations, it doesn't exceed them in any way, shape or form. The odds of me going out and telling other people are next to zero, right? So you have to engineer as a business owner, we have to engineer into our products, into our services to ensure that, Two things. One, we aren't overselling. In other words, we're not telling them that it's going to do X, Y, and Z when it really only does X and Y, right? So we, we right. can't oversell. And then the other thing is we need to engineer things in there so that we do exceed their expectations of what our product or service does. So we use that kind of little visual for them 
um, to kind of paint that picture. And what we say is, look, the ads that we run or the emails that we send to get someone to move from a friend to a customer are different than the emails that we send to move a customer to an evangelist. Or, or even, you know, you go to the very top of that, the same thing is true. So that's, that. we find that very helpful in explaining the differences between the ads, between the ad copy, between the emails, even between the different pages on a website. You know, we, we're bringing people on this journey and we've got to make sure that we're being intentional with all of our messaging across the board, you know, along, along the way. Yeah, I can, I can give you a hilarious counterexample to that. Uh, and again, this is from my treasure trove of WTF moments with prospects. Uh, about 12 years ago, uh, a firm wanted to hire my company to make their affiliate program work. You know, these are people who are in search of the elusive professional affiliate manager. I think you've heard that before well uh, so it was the typical type of thing of you know build out the swipe files and and uh, you know the marketing to encourage people to come affiliates and yada 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 so I went to their extremely hideous website and the front page of it announced that their product was and I and I quote this was their this was their tagline we are the answer to everything and the front page and the front page of the head of the website had pictures of their four products with 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 words like hurry sale buy now discounts and the website wow. itself i spent about 15 or 20 minutes on this website and i couldn't figure out what the hell they do <laughs> yeah and, and, and not to the yeah. point that and not and not just in the sense that I wasn't really their market and I was just, uh, and I, it just wasn't quite connecting to me because the residence wasn't there. There was nothing to answer my question about why I was on this site. And so I actually took the time with these folks because they were referred by one of my trusted referral partners and I wanted to be a good guy is I turned on my Camtasia and I, I did uh, an impromptu 10 minute version of my website review process. And I said, you know, I, I, I like the idea that you're going to have affiliates for this, but in order for an affiliate, much less the general public, for an affiliate to be interested in promoting this, here are some edits and changes that you may want to consider making to this because if we don't see some moves in this direction, anything we build out for you, uh, I mean, we'll take your money, but I got to tell you, you won't get any results from it, but I'll happily take your money. Uh, I, I even phrase it that way nicely, you know, with a, with a nicer tone, because yeah. I wanted to, you know, let them know how serious I was that they needed to do something to work on no like and trust, to work on reaching the person where they are, and to move beyond vanity and towards something substantial. So I sent this video mm -hmm. off to them, and then then he scheduled a follow up call with me, and uh, I should have known as soon as they said all right well we've scheduled a call uh and uh and when you and uh could you connect with us on our bridge line so i'm thinking all oh, my my other two calls with them were just the guy and me one-on-one now there's a bridge line so it's like i already i already knew okay this is where they put the full court press on me right and yeah. so i dialed into this call and uh and they started uh peppering me with questions about can you do our affiliate program how much is that going to cost when can we get it done and i said did you I have some concerns about this. I sent you the video. I was hoping you would watch. And they say, 
well, yeah, we, we scanned it, but, uh, but uh, you know, we, we know more than you about this, so we just want you to do our affiliate program. And I said, I won't be doing your affiliate program. Thank you, goodbye. Because they had the mindset that even if they didn't completely accept and go by everything I recommended, that they would at least consider it. That would have been a different mm. conversation if they hadn't just blown blown me off and told me that I was just there to do as I was told. Right, right. I've, 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 I, I mean, I, I mean, uh, I can go down any road that your imagination, uh, either the light or the dark side, is willing to take you. If I want somebody to tell me what to do, but not, not in that sense. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, that's you know, as an expert, they should be coming to you for your advice and heeding your advice not yeah. having you just fulfill their kind of to-do list, their checklist on what they want done. That's what that, that's why I think I, it was. Somebody told them, get your affiliate program going, get your affiliate program going. And they couldn't see the forest surrounding the tree that had the word affiliate branded into it. Right. right. Now that yeah, was you, the magic you, bullet of the day for them. Yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty much, pretty much. So I haven't heard of them since. Uh, I, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised by that. So, the point being is, to me, overall, when we have cases where the marketing isn't working, I can, I can keep asking the why questions, and I'll eventually get to the point where somebody's being given advice they should be considering, and they just reject it because they think they know more. Mm, or because yeah. somebody gave them the magic bullet, and damn it, this is the one that's going to do it, because so-and-so who's a guru, who hosts webinars did it yep yeah no we live we live in an era where uh you know really anyone with uh with the ability to do an online webinar can can go out and tout information that you know they can make it look like they know what they're talking about and that it's you know the absolute truth and that it you know they'll give some case studies on you know the the few people that it worked on but what yep. we don't often see is what actually, what are the other elements in those success stories that we're not hearing about and that we're right. not seeing? Because rarely, rarely, rarely is one thing, you know, so, you know, is, is the webinar or is the affiliate program or is the Facebook campaign or is the new website? Rarely do any one element contribute to a complete revolution or, or, or transformation in a business. It's usually a culmination and a combination of a lot of very strategic steps, all working together in unison and, you know, leading to, at the end of the day, money in the bank account. Yeah, very, yeah, very, very factual is what, is, is what you're saying right there. You know, I, I have a friend and uh, <laughs> this was so funny. He would, uh, he would go to those webinars and he would listen to the people say, I ran this product launch and I paid off my house. And so what he would do is he would he would get their address and usually you could find it on something like my life or something like that. He would go to Google Maps and he would demonstrate that their house had a value of eleven thousand dollars. And he would say, mm. Yeah, fact, they paid off their house, but they only needed like six thousand dollars to do it. So what kind of strategy was this? Right. Which right. which which, yeah. which actually can be interpreted a couple different ways. One of which is uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't exactly an earth changer. Uh, yeah, they paid off their house. So, so it's not like they went out and bought a mansion, but at the same time, it's saying, Hey, you know, what would $6,000 do for you? 
for a lot of folks, mm -hmm. that would make a real difference. Maybe it's worth it. Right. Yeah, it's just they position it slightly differently. They don't, they don't tell you it was $6,000. They tell you it was a house. Yeah. Yeah, which is, uh, which is where, and I've said this so many times, there's no such thing as the truth. There, is, there are facts that can be empirically, scientifically, or otherwise demonstrated to be something that exists, but truth is what each of us see through our own eyes based on our own unique experiences, background, and expectations. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And what, what, yeah, what's true, true for... Yeah, true statement. They paid off their house. Fact. They only needed $6,000 to do that. Right, exactly. Yeah. And, and the thing is, just like you said, is, you know, so we have a, you know, a, a marketing company, for lack of a better term of what we do. We have a marketing company. And what is true for us, what works for us, may not work for a fairly identical marketing company over in a city in Texas somewhere or over in another state or literally in another city in our own state. Um, there's just so many different elements and, and so many different components to go into that, that for anyone to really prescribe, you know, this is the thing, follow this thing, um, you know, you should take heed and kind of step back and examine, examine that. What's their motive? Like, what are they after? You know, are they selling something? More than likely they are. They're selling you their formula, you know, that worked for them. Yeah, I think, I think that's, and I think overall, uh, and if you were to have somebody come to you today and say, Wayne, my marketing isn't working, based on that statement, what would be the first step you would advise them to take so they can get started thinking about this? Yep, so step, step one is this. I would ask, there's two questions I would ask. Um, step number one would be, how much of your marketing budget is allocated to attracting customers and how much of your marketing budget is allocated to keeping customers? That's number one. And number two would, would be this, who is your ideal customer? In other words, I wanna know specifically, I want basically the customer avatar. I wanna see this. Have you clearly defined who that person is, what they look like? Because until you do that, there's a bazillion different places you could look to reach people like that. But until you get clear about who those people are, what their interests are, where they shop, where they work, all those things, it's too many options for us to even consider where to begin telling you to put your advertising dollars, to spend your marketing dollars. Yeah, and I, and I, and I, and I like that, how you identify a difference between marketing dollars to attract and acquire customers versus to keep and retain. Yeah, it, it's so true and it's so sad today that we live in a society where all too often business owners treat customers as a commodity and they think, get the sale, move on to the next customer, get the sale, move on to the next customer, instead of building that long-term relationship, um, you know, really getting to know their customers, finding out their needs and figuring out additional ways that they could serve them through, whether that's products, services. In that case, maybe it is an affiliate offer that makes sense to their particular audience, their customer base. Precisely. So uh, we're near the top of the hour here, and I understand you have a little something for our listeners. So I'll give you a moment to tell us about that. Yep. So you can, anyone can head over to our website, uglymugmarketing.com. And once you go to the social page, so click on social media, and on that page, we are offering 
complete free consultations on social media. So if you have tried social media and not getting the results that you like from social media, um, just fill out the form there and we will be glad to sit down with you. We'll take a look through your page. We will make suggestions on just some kind of things that we see that works well. Um, we will even show you how to go in and identify what is working well for your competitors. So we'll actually show you how to go into Facebook and pull up your competitors' pages and actually see which posts are getting the most traction for them as well. So that's what we have available. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you very much for sharing out with us. So uh, Wayne Mullins of Ugly Mug Marketing, I want to thank you so much for being with us today. It's been an honor and an education. Thank you so much, Adam. I appreciate the opportunity. All right. We trust for our listeners, you've enjoyed today's episode of the Business Creators Radio Show. Check out our previous and our upcoming episodes on our website at www.businesscreatorsradioshow.com. While you're there, be sure to subscribe to your favorite network so you get fresh episodes delivered straight to you. Until next time, have a great day. Take care.